Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Real estate is not all roses. Things do go wrong, but you can learn the lesson from the things that happen. We've got lots of those today. It's our annual edition of Halloween Horror Stories, today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. If you've been listening to the Real Estate Guys for a while, then you've heard about the legendary Investor Summit. If you're serious about taking your real estate investment to the next level, consider joining us. You'll spend an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals, and you'll have a blast. It all begins February 26, 2016 in Miami, Florida. Summit alumni have already booked more than 60% of the cabins, but there's room for you. Public registration will open on October 29th. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click on the tab that says Summit to learn more. Then set a reminder to come back on the 29th to reserve your spot. We spend two power-packed days on land, learning, and networking, then jump aboard a luxury cruise ship for six more days of classes, roundtable discussions, networking, great dinner conversations, and a ton of fun. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 14th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program and happy Halloween almost. I'm Robert Helms. With us co-host, financial strategist and spooky guy, Russell Gray. <laughs> hey, Robert. You know, we have a lot of fun this time of year because uh, for, for years we've been doing Halloween horror stories. It started out as a presentation we gave at our Mentoring Club program and the first couple of years it was just all of our Halloween horror stories and then pretty soon our members started developing their own and it became this really fun night where people would come up and share in the misery. But it isn't just that things go wrong in real estate. It's the lessons you can learn. And of course, we would take that three-hour presentation and then distill it down to a radio uh, show. Uh, and a couple of years ago, we, we kind of we neglected to do it. And our listeners called us on it and said, hey, what happened to Halloween Horror Stories? So last year, we did a really fun thing. Uh, all of the stories virtually came from listeners. And so that's the case today. We've got a lot of listeners that we've sat down with uh, to share in their horror. And uh, most of them have the majority of their real estate investments go pretty well, but they've also been conditioned to learn the lessons. Well, you know, it's therapeutic. And and the reason we used to do it back in the day in the mentoring program, which was uh, once a month, we would do a three-hour meeting with a group of investors. And it was just kind of going through the life of being a real estate investor. And we would share experiences. But a lot of it was motivation. A lot of it was, hey, let's go pursue what's right in the world and all that. And that's great. You got to have that. Halloween Horror Stories was our once-a-year reality check, right? Yeah. Because if you weren't realistic, if you didn't get the lesson, then the world was going to give it to you anyway. 
And if you don't have the right mindset about it, then you think there's something wrong with you. You hear everybody else having success and everybody saying how easy it is. And you watch the guy on TV, you hear the guys on the radio and you're looking at the people in the club and everybody in the front of the room is having success and you're having stuff go wrong. And you think, what is wrong with me? I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm the biggest loser that ever walked the earth and nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, the reality is, is that if you're not pushing your limits, you're probably not you're not learning, you're not growing, you know, you are going to make some mistakes. The key is don't make a fatal mistake. And the even bigger key is when you make a mistake, not if, when you make a mistake, take a little bit of time to get the lesson. Yeah, this is huge. So many real estate investors or former real estate investors hit their first bump in the road and give up. That's the saddest thing. It's the worst thing you can do. What today's show is designed to do is to help you get your mind around the fact that stuff, it's not a matter of if something's going to happen, it's when, because things go wrong in real estate, it's a hairy business, to get yourself mentally prepared for it and to embrace it and say, awesome, what can I learn from that? And that's a hard place to get. When things go wrong, when you have problems with tenants or toilets or termites or the myriad things that happen in real estate investing, the first human reaction or emotion is, well, forget this. You need to train yourself to, to go, bring it on. Awesome. I can handle this. Let's solve this problem and let's get the lesson. It's a level of commitment. You know, if you're new, if you're brand new to real estate investing and you've drank the Kool-Aid and you're running out and you've got stars in your eyes or dollar signs in your eyes, I'm going to make all this money. It's going to be great. The thing that you learn is that when things do go wrong is that if you haven't prepared for that, both mentally and emotionally and also with contingency plans and financially, then it ends up being able to chase you out of the business. And then you go look for the new shiny penny. Now you may decide after some experiences that real estate investing just isn't for you and that's fine, but it probably shouldn't be after the first time you have a problem. So we're here to help you learn vicariously, right? Through people that have walked down the path that you're walking down, or maybe if you're in one particular asset class and you hear somebody talking about a different asset class, right? I mean, you could say, well, I do multifamily. Well, there's a big difference between, you know, B or A class multifamily and C minus and D multifamily, right? There's a big difference in that. And the problems you face are different. You're going to have probably financial problems, thinner cash flows or finding D deals at the upper end. And on the lower end, you're just going to have just a lot of drama because of the demographic that you're typically involved with. And you, and you may decide, hey, I don't want to do that kind of real estate. I'd rather do a different kind of real estate. You know, you and I do international investing. Well, that's a whole different can of worms, right? This, uh, there's things you have to learn. There's times you make mistakes. So listen to this with the idea and try to get the formula. You know, the formula is, is like kind of what happened. And then after you look at what happened, then, you know, what was the outcome? And then, you know, you look on the back end of Okay, having gone through that, knowing what I know now, what would I have done differently? And then the thing is you have to realize is that you don't always know what you don't know at the end. I mean, you can't go back and go, hmm, okay, well, I should have known that the economy was going to crash. Well, maybe. You know, we've tried to spend a lot of time trying to figure out one of our biggest Halloween horror stories, if you will, was when the, when the 2008 financial crisis came and took out the mortgage industry. That was a whopper. You know, you hold yourself accountable for the things that you could have known and didn't when the people were saying things to us and we weren't listening. That's one thing. But there's a whole host of things that we didn't know. We can't hold ourselves accountable to that. We just have to do our best to make sure that next time we don't get blindsided. And we tried to do that. And I would argue it's made us come out better, stronger, better connected, 
better informed and hopefully more able to take on a similar crisis if it were to happen again. So our guests today are all real life real estate investors. Many of them have lots and lots of properties and transactions under their belt. But our question today is, tell us the ugly, awful, terrible, scary thing that happened to you in real estate. And more importantly, what did you learn? Our first Halloween horror story for this year is called What Lurks Beneath. Please welcome back to the Real Estate Guys program, investor and real estate syndicator, David Zook. How are you, Dave? Good. Thanks for having me on the show, Robert. Oh, absolutely. And uh, let's talk about something ugly. Tell us your Halloween horror story. Yeah, so I got this call. I think uh, the last time we were on the Halloween horror stories, I told the story about a water problem, a non-public water problem. Yep. So I got a new respect for uh, city water and sewer. So this time around, it has to do with sewer. It's on a, an on-site sewer system. And I got the call that uh, there's a sewer system failure. Uh-oh. And this time, um, the guy's mowing the yard, and uh, the lid on the sewer system is apparently bad. And imagine this, the guy's mowing his yard, and he goes down into the sewer. Oh. Yes. Mows the lawn, breaks through, and splash. Yes. Plunk. That stinks. <laughs> that is pretty bad. Okay, so obviously that ruined most of his day. Tell us what happened after that. What did you have to go do? Yeah, so uh, we eventually, well, we, we uh, very shortly after got over there and, and fixed the, the problem. We had to put a Band-Aid on it and, you know, cut some of the driveway out and concrete it and uh, took care of it. But it was... Uh, it was an interesting uh, situation. Had to wash the guy's clothes, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So what are what are the lessons here? How is it that you can mitigate around something like that? Well, so one of the things I've learned is, um, I mean, I've had a broker approach me and, and you know talk to me about a property, and they're saying, well, the benefits are that it has an on-site sewer and it has a well and, and all that, and it all sounds good because you don't get that monthly water and sewer bill. Right. But, uh, you know, with the experiences I've had in the past, uh, I've, I've learned to look past the few dollars a month that it costs for water, uh, public water and sewer. So you're invested actually in a couple places where it's pretty common practice to have self-contained utilities. And that's not what most people are used to. They're used to being on some sort of municipal system. So I think there will be, in most markets, somebody who you can hire to inspect these things. Yeah, and you know, even just to know that, even just to know the value of public uh, utilities, uh, you know, I mean, that's pretty available even without having an inspection done. That's pretty available knowledge. I mean, you can just go check to see, you know, if it, if it has public water and sewer, but just knowing some of the things that can go wrong when you do not have public water and sewer and you have the on-site systems uh, has been helpful to me. I mean, at least I know some of those things. Well, if it was, imagine the same thing happened and it was some sewer problem that the guy wouldn't have fallen down the hole. But if there was a problem with it, you would typically call the municipality and they'd come out and they would fix it. And if it was an emergency, they'd do that at their cost typically. Here, the advantage is, yeah, you don't have the monthly bill, but when something goes wrong, it's all on you. Right, and it's not uh, then it's not a monthly bill. It's it's uh, you know it can be two, three, five thousand dollars to get a, a new new sewer system dug or or uh, you know take care of the problem instead of paying fifty or seventy bucks a month. It can be like a three, five, seven thousand dollar bill in one shot. 
Well, why have you here? I know you're a guy that uh, isn't just a casual real estate investor, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of units. So how is it that you manage your psychology when you get a call like that? A lot of folks would go, oh, man, like instead you're not going to be happy about it. But, but walk us through that part of it. Like you've got that many doors. You're getting calls pretty regularly that there's a problem. Well, you know, here, here's the interesting thing. Um, these properties that I own now that have off-site or have on-site water and sewer, um, those were properties that I bought early on before I had I had the education that I've that I have now. So I've learned a lot since I bought these properties. But you know what I found is having a great team. We do a lot of business in Memphis with multifamily. Having a great team around me. What I've found is some of these single-family homes that are you know would, you would think are pretty low maintenance. They take up more of my time and energy than a 250-unit. Uh, multifamily in Memphis, and it's you know mainly because I've got a great team in Memphis. All right, great lessons there. Well, Dave, always good to see you, and thanks for the Halloween Horror Story. Thank you. Kind of a crappy deal. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helm. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Forbes rated Memphis the best cash flow market in the nation. And our good friend Terry Kerr at Mid-South Homebuyers has been the premier turnkey rental property provider in Memphis for over 13 years. With an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau, Terry has renovated over 750 houses. Real Estate Guys listeners have snapped up hundreds. Discover what these satisfied investors already know. Mid-South's properties are completely renovated with a one-year warranty and a lifelong rental guarantee. They're affordable, well-managed, and easy to own. Perfect for beginning investors and veterans alike. Get in on the action. Contact Terry and his team via email at midsouth at realestateguysradio.com. Are you achieving everything you want in life? What if there was a time-tested way for you to get everything you've dreamed of? The most successful people in life set goals and keep themselves accountable. But how? The good news is that it's not rocket science. You too can learn the skills and unleash the motivation that will create success in your life. And now is the time. Hi, this is Robert Helms, and I'd like to personally invite you to attend Creating Your Future, the 2016 Goals Retreat, taking place January 8th through 10th in beautiful San Diego, California. This unique weekend has been called phenomenal, inspirational, and life-changing by the hundreds of people that have attended. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com and click events or call 888-489-7723, extension 18. Get your life back on track physically, spiritually, and financially. Attend the 2016 Goals Retreat on the second weekend of the new year. Click events at realestateguysradio.com and register why there's still early bird pricing. This is no dress rehearsal. Live the life you were meant to. Visit realestateguysradio.com or call 888-489-7723 today. Hi, this is Lawrence Yuan, Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. You picked the scary one. It's Halloween Horror Stories. Some of the lessons we can learn about real estate investing through things that happen to go wrong. Our next terrifying tale is called Deep into the Red. 
This one comes from our good friend, real estate investor and syndicator, Danny Kalanoff. How are you, Danny? Hey, Robert. I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. I know you're awesome, but I know real estate isn't always awesome, and you've got an amazing Halloween horror story that I think is going to give us a lot of good lessons. So so tell us what happened. Yeah, so true. This was uh, before I listened to your show, and I learned the concept of um, you know market, team, then property. So yep. I was uh, of the mindset that the property was the most important thing in the whole world. And in 2005, uh, when real estate was at a peak pretty much everywhere in the country, we lived in a very expensive cyclical market in Southern California, and we actually couldn't afford to buy anything at that time. I think prices for the properties we were interested in were in the you know 800 to 1.2 million dollar range and we just decided hey if we can't buy here let's just go somewhere and buy something so i think we read a couple articles online uh learned that san antonio was on sale and had some good deals found an agent in about 45 minutes flew down there and purchased two properties each right around a hundred thousand dollars all right so right out of the gate first of all congratulations propensity to action that's a good thing but uh when you just take action without thinking through those other thoughts tell us what happened yeah so what happened is um we about as quickly found a property management company through uh you know the yellow pages or something like that and they assured us that they could put some quality tenants in there about two or three months went by that the property sat vacant so we were in the red already for our first year. And then uh, when they did finally fill the properties, they were filled with college students who essentially proceeded to trash both of the homes. Um, They had animals in there. The lawns were torn up. uh, The HOA was complaining uh, about the state of our properties. And uh, ultimately, we were forced to uh, sell them because we didn't know anything about the market. We didn't have time to go find a team. And um, we just chalked the lesson up to uh, one that we should take with us for, for a long time moving forward. You know, Luckily, we left at a nominal cost compared to what it could have been. Um, well, we pay for education and you guys paid full price on this. So let's talk about what some of the lessons are. And there's several in here, right? So now sitting where you are as a much more accomplished uh, serial investor in, in real estate, what uh, have you learned? Yeah, so I, I've learned that you, you don't want to be tempted by by shiny objects that you see in your path. And a lot of times those are deals, they're properties. You really want to sit down and do the, the hard grunt work, if you will, of finding a market that has solid macroeconomic fundamentals that you believe in. Probably even more challenging is kissing a lot of frogs and interviewing a lot of people until you find a team that you can trust. Because an A team in a B market with a B property is better than an A property in a B market with you know a C team. And so if I had to rank it, it would go team, market, property. And that's how I look at everything that I do in real estate investing today. All right. Good stuff. Now, the the market analysis part, you looked at a few articles and picked San Antonio. San Antonio wasn't a bad market to invest in 2005. No. But as we know, every market isn't really not a market. It's a sub-market. So if you pick the right team, you learn the sub-market. That might have been a nuance. So that's certainly a thing you learn. And then obviously, property management, key, key, key part of the team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they make you or break you. And um, I think having a good interview script, knowing the right questions to ask, you know, so when you fly into a new place, how are you going to pick a team? Having that personal investment philosophy of what's important to you, how are they going to communicate with you if you're remote? You know, you guys always say, live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. I think a lot of folks naturally gravitate to invest in the place that they live because that's kind of easier and a little bit more comfortable. 
but that doesn't mean that's where all the best returns are. So if you're going to venture outside your cocoon, you got to find a way to pick a team that's going to work for you. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, you've settled on some pretty cool niches and we're going to have you back on the show shortly because we're going to talk about one of the really cool real estate niches that you do. In the meantime, happy Halloween. Thanks very much. All right. Thanks, Danny. All right. It's Halloween Horror Stories today on The Real Estate Guys, the lessons we can learn from things that don't go so well. Our next scary story is called Fire Sale Fourplex. Here with the gory details, let's say hello to Casey Tom. How are you, sir? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm great. Now, you're a real estate broker. You work with a big company and you help people find investments, but you're also an investor yourself, and a lot has gone really well for you, but you do have a Halloween horror story. Tell us what happened, Casey. Yes, I do. Well, I purchased a quadplex uh, with a group of investors, and we renovated the quadplex and put tenants in it, filled it up, and two weeks after we filled it up, it was next to, it's a transitional neighborhood, so it was next to a, a crack house that had started on fire, and uh, it burned down another quadplex that was under renovation, and uh, that quadplex started my quadplex on fire, so after having just got the tenants in for two or three weeks, you got to call at two in the morning, there's a fire, so I show up, um, news cameras are out there, they want wow. to ask questions. But in the end, I had insurance, so uh, luckily um, I was able to re-renovate the property, put the tenants back in. But the gentleman that was renovating the other quadplex behind me actually didn't have insurance, so it was a complete loss for him. Oops. So let's come back to that. Uh, Walk us through the – first of all, was everybody okay? Yeah, yeah, of course. Everybody got out, and that's okay, right? So that's the most important thing. And when you get these calls, and I've had this very call, and the last thing you want is your property on TV, but it happens to the best of us. So now you've got tenants to deal with. They're misplaced. How bad – how severe was the damage? Basically, three units were completely – ruined and especially the upstairs after the fire was out the water hose you know sprayed right. in went down to the bottom unit so basically unlivable you know? unlivable yeah. so you had to manage getting the tenants relocated and placed in short notice right and then- yeah so so uh, red cross came out and they were very helpful at first um a handful of tenants had a place to go already so they just went to stay with friends and family and a couple of them we put in a hotel room for a couple of days until they could get something straightened out but yeah it was a it was kind of a very stressful situation for everybody now talk about the claims so you had to obviously make an insurance claim and that took some time and then when that happens you you got a decision point to make right it's possible that you just cut your losses and sell the land and take the insurance proceeds or you can rebuild which way did you guys go we we went uh, and renovated the property again and uh, put the tenants back in i think we, we we may have been better off financially uh, just uh, knocking it down and selling the land, but we were, we were committed to providing the housing for the people, so we wanted to get them back into the units. And, and it, it ended up being a good deal because uh, we, we just actually sold that property, and uh, everybody made 50% on their you know all the money that they had in after a year and a half. So it still ended up being a pretty good deal for pretty us. Pretty decent return there. Yeah. Now let's talk about the neighbor who wasn't insured. Obviously, that's a big lesson. Maybe the biggest lesson in this is that ounce of prevention, right? Right, yeah. And he ended up just uh, selling his lot for, uh, I think he had an offer on the uh, the lot with the house for like $100,000 at that point. 
Um, and then after the fire, I think he got $40,000. And so all the, all the money that he put into the property and, you know, and the, you know, potential to sell it at you know, a little higher price, he lost it, you know, lost a lot of money. So, you know, sometimes people who own a property outright think, well, I can take the risk. And that may be true. This guy might have the financial wherewithal to take the risk. It sucks when it happens. Right. When you have a loan, typically you don't have a choice. You're, you're getting insurance. Right. Yeah. So that, that's positive of, of having a loan is they make you take some steps to protect your asset that you may not otherwise. And, it, you know, in the end, it's always, you know, best to insure your properties. Now, did you have a loan on the property? Uh, actually, this one we didn't, but we uh, we chose to insure it anyway. It was basically uh, unfinanceable when we bought it. We bought it from a wholesaler vacant. It needed a lot of renovation. So um, so we just we, we did that with all cash. But. Well, and as a syndicator raising money from other people, you definitely want to make sure you have right. insurance in place, right? Because that kind of loss is hard to disclose, right? Yeah, that, that, or that would be a, a, a terrible conversation to, you know, call somebody up and say, hey, listen, you know, all that money we we just put into this property. Yeah, it's uh, it burned up. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah. Well, don't save money by going short on insurance. You always make decisions about how much deductible and how much coverage you have, but you want to make sure you're at least made whole, which is the whole purpose. So right. Yeah. The, the one thing that we we didn't do, which I would do in the future, is have some income loss insurance because as they were renovating, it took uh, about four, five months, I think, to get everybody back in. That's five months we didn't have the income. So good point. Loss of rents is not automatically included in insurance policy and usually isn't. It's an additional rider. So if you're depending on the income from the property, it's always worth considering. A lot of times you'll buy a property with the intent to renovate it, put some tenants in and then sell it, which is ultimately what you guys did. So you might make the decision, well, our primary exit strategy and return is going to come from selling. So if for some reason we didn't have rent during the five or six months of any problem, okay. But if it's a long-term buy and hold, certainly worth considering. So glad right, you brought that right. up. Right. Especially if you have leverage. We didn't have a, you know debt on it, but if we did, then we'd have to pay the more mortgage and with no cash flow, which would not be, would, would not have been fun. So. All right. Well, that's one way to invest in a hot market. Thank you very much for uh, sharing your story with us, Casey. All right. Thank you. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. Hey, do you have money sitting in an IRA right now, trickling along just a few percentage points per year? Or do you have money in the stock market or in a mutual fund and, and feel you're just not getting the returns you could be getting in real estate? Well, have you considered private lending? Private lending is essentially where you act as the bank and you lend money to a borrower. Well, with Georgia Residential Partners, we work with a number of different private lenders that lend money to our business, and we become the borrower and you become the bank. Your investment is always secured with a security deed in first lien position, and the loans are typically short term, six to 12 months at a time. If you've got funds that you want to invest right now without the hassles of actually buying and owning real estate, let me encourage you to reach out to me today to talk about plugging into our business as a private lender making double-digit returns. Just email me at ken at gainvesting.com. Again, that's ken at gainvesting.com. Look forward to hearing from you. 
Too many people become victims of frivolous lawsuits and scammers simply because they were unprepared. At Corporate Direct, we use the latest legal tools to help our clients of all sizes create a strategy to protect what is theirs. Asset protection is not only for the wealthy. Our strategies and tools are very affordable and practical. Give us a call at 1-800-600-1760 or go to CorporateDirect.com to see how we can help you. That's 1-800-600-1760 for CorporateDirect.com. Hi, this is Anthony Mercury from Hotel Impossible, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded podcast on real estate investing. Thanks for tuning into the show. It's just about Halloween, and we've got some scary stuff for you, our annual edition of Halloween Horror Stories, things that go wrong in real estate investing, and more importantly, what lessons we can learn before we get back to the fright. Let's play Real Estate Trivia, your chance to win a prize by knowing today's Real Estate Trivia question. In just a minute, I'm going to give you a trivia question that has something to do with real estate and in fact haunted real estate as soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer you can send off your best guest to trivia at realestateguysradio.com trivia at realestateguysradio.com the first person with the right answer is going to win the great book tax-free wealth by our good friend cpa tom wheelwright because taxes are scary before we ask you this week's question last week on the real estate guys we had attorney joel nagel talking about international asset protection Joel's recently been named the Belize Ambassador to Austria, and we ask this, what's the official language of Austria? Well, the answer is German, which is spoken by over 88% of the population. Here's our horrifying real estate trivia question for this edition. Name the most haunted city in the United States. A lot of ghost-filled places in the U.S., I suppose, but what is the number one haunted city in the U.S.? If you know or just want to guess, send us your answer along with your name and your physical mailing address so we can send you a copy of Tom Wheelwright's great book, Tax-Free Wealth of the Winner, to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. What's the most haunted city in the U.S.? That's today's real estate trivia question. It's Halloween Horror Stories today. Our next tale of woe is called The Incredible Shrinking Parcel. Joining us with this shocking story is real estate investor Nick Jensen. How are you, Nick? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. I know most goes well in real estate in your life, but every now and then something goes bad. Tell us about your Halloween horror story. Yeah, my Halloween horror story comes from uh, a property I bought back in 2003. I was just getting into the real estate market, very excited about investing in real estate, and I bought this trailer home on three acres of land. Here we are in 2015. I just tore the trailer house down because throughout these, what is that, 12 years? Throughout 12 years, I realized I overpaid for the property. Ah. I didn't have the proper uh, management in place to run the property. And so here I am in 2015 looking at, I don't have a trailer house anymore. I have a piece of land. And now what do I do with that land? Which ah, I'll okay. probably build a, another investment property on. So during the time that you had this home, trailer home on it, you were getting rent. Uh-huh. How did that perform from an investment point of view? You said you overpaid for the property. So from an investment point of view, it 
it cash flowed well in the beginning. Uh, as the trailer ran down, um, you know, you don't get the best tenants in the world in those types of properties. Right. Uh, and they weren't, uh, they didn't treat the property very well. So I continued to have to put improvements in it. And it got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to improve this anymore. It's not, I'm not going to get the return on investment that I need at this yeah. point. In the end, it did not cash flow very well. And it was actually very difficult to get somebody evicted out of the property when they quit paying rent. So uh -huh. it's been a progressive, uh, progressive nightmare. <laughs> well, okay. So now you end up with a piece of land. And, mm -hmm. and so here's part of it. Investment philosophy, you bought it as a rental, weren't thinking about land, but it's on three acres. Tell us about that. There is a possibility. And of course, our listeners don't know this about you, but you're in the construction trade. So what's the future of this property look like? So when I originally bought it, it was on three acres. I traded off two of those acres for another for equity and another piece of property. Uh, so now I've got just under an acre. Okay. Uh, this continues the horror story, right? So I'm looking to build a duplex on the, on the piece of property and rent it out. Uh, looking at county codes, you have to have at least one acre in order to build on the property. So now I'm looking at situations on how to get around that. I either have to convince the neighbors to sell me a sliver of land wow. or convince the county to allow me to build a structure on that even though it's not quite an acre. Okay. So lesson learned, you've got to do your due diligence up front. You have to have a plan, an A, B, C plan for whatever happens with the property. You've got to make sure you buy it right. That's how you make money in real estate is you buy the properties right, make sure they cash flow, and then you'll be okay in the end. Boy, such a good point. So you definitely want to have a strategy when you go in. But as you've learned here, it's not just one exit strategy. Because one potential exit strategy would have been, you know what, that thing's just going to cash flow fine and it's going to be great. And that seems really good in the beginning. And then 10 years, 12 years down the road, you're like, well, that doesn't work anymore. And it wasn't a permanent structure. So now you're up against this thing that why would you have thought of that you know 12 years ago <laughs> so some sometimes we can do diligence around situations and sometimes we can't so this sounds like a case where a little more prudent homework up front would have made sense but again as you evolve as a real estate investor this is how you learn these things and this is exactly why we're doing Halloween Horror Stories so people who are looking at these kinds of deals go you know what I gotta think what would Nick have done yeah and you know you're right you have to have a plan up front the other thing is I think as you go throughout the process, whenever you're making decisions on a property, you have to understand, does this fit my plan? You can't just make decisions. Case in point, I traded off two acres without really understanding and realizing if I ever want to build a permanent structure on that, I need to have at least one acre left in this county, which now I'm up against, how am I going to make that work? I'm not worried about it. I'll figure it out. That's what we do in the real estate business. Right. But it brings on interesting challenges. Excellent stuff. Well, Nick, thanks for sharing your Halloween horror story with us. Thank you. Have a great day. It's Halloween horror stories. Today on The Real Estate Guys, all the things that go wrong in real estate and the lessons we can learn. Our next eerie account is called Mysterious Mailbox Mayhem. <laughs> to give us the chilling facts, let's welcome attorney Mauricio Raul. How are you? I'm doing great, Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I know it's hard for you to come up with a Halloween horror story, and as we talk about things, what you do is protect people in advance, and you think of the stuff that could go wrong, so really, not that many Halloween horror stories, but you've got a great one that has to do with some changes in the securities laws. So what's your Halloween horror story? Well, as everyone knows, I hope after listening to some some of the shows, you know, we've got this great new tool out there for clients who are raising capital and doing syndications. We've got this new rule that allows us 
to advertise our syndications and generally solicit. Which, which, let's stop for a minute, because for many, many years, that was not allowed under the law. You couldn't openly solicit. If I was raising money to buy an apartment building, I couldn't put an ad in the paper. I unfortunately couldn't run ads on the radio. I had to rely on kind of my own network of people and maybe being referred by professionals. So this new law has opened up kind of a big world for promoters, syndicators, those kinds of business people to reach a bigger potential crowd. It has, uh, and because it's such a new law, there's a lot of unknowns. You know, they're kind of, I don't want to say they're making it up as they go along, but there's a lot of unanswered questions of what you can and cannot do, which is causing some of these uh, hiccups, so to speak, in the, in the, in the securities world. Uh, but I had a client, and she took full advantage of these new rules and laws, and she decided to do a, a mail campaign, which is totally legitimate under the new rules. Yep. Uh, she created these really nice mailers, they looked like almost like wedding invitations, just beautifully high-end because she was going to mail them out to high net worth individuals. That was Got her it. target market. That would make sense. Yeah. And so she, you, these days you can buy all kinds of lists and different criteria. And so she bought a particular list that had only accredited investors, people who had over a million dollars in net worth. And she then was targeting those people and had invited them to a seminar that was going to then discuss her particular project, which is in Texas. And that was a great marketing strategy, which is completely legitimate and legal and, and something that I thought was a great idea. Great. Uh, the idea was she would mail it out. I can't remember how many people it got mailed out to, but thousands of people. I mean, that took a lot of time to put a stamp on the, because she, she wanted to make it as personal as possible, right? She didn't want it to look like a complete, you know, mailer. So right. she mailed it out to thousands of people of which I think she got about a hundred people to attend her event, which was great. And then from there, some people invested in her deal and some people didn't, but it turned out to be a really great marketing strategy. So, so far so good. No Halloween horror story, but we're not done. Not so far. I need to put my scary voice on it. <laughs> um, unfortunately, one of those thousands and thousands of people who received the nice mailer didn't particularly appreciate it. Uh, she found it either offensive or this, I don't know if it's a he or she, but the person that got it didn't like it, you know, felt, you know, hey, I'm getting unsolicited mail, I didn't want it. And so this particular individual decided to contact the state securities board, the Texas uh, state securities board, to complain, uh, which is typically or often how sort of a, a, a regulatory filing or complaint would, would be initiated. Somebody complains to the state securities board. That's usually how things happen. Okay. But in the past, that's always happened on the back end. You know, you invest in a deal, the deal goes south, and that for the unhappy investor picks up the phone and calls the state regulator. In this case, it happened at the beginning, somebody that, you know, my client had never met before, just somebody that was not happy by receiving this nice invitation. And so the state securities board apparently didn't have too much going on in their lives at that time, okay. and they decided to go undercover. They decided to hire or use one of their staffers to basically pretend that they were an investor and went on my client's website and went through and pretended to be an investor, uh, made a request for the information, all that stuff. And, and sure enough, my client went ahead and sent that to this uh, investigator, it turns out. And because there was no official filing yet with the SEC, which by the way is not required under the new rules or even under the old rules, you're required to file a particular document called a Form D with the Securities and Exchange Commission within 15 days from your first sale. Okay. But in this case, no sale had happened, so no harm, no foul, but this in investigator went on the, on the website, didn't find anything, and so was making the assumption that this was a completely illegal offering. And so once they got new information, the investigator essentially sent my client a cease and desist, telling them, hey, we, you are violating state securities laws, we're going to come after you, we're going to file a complaint, and 
as you can imagine, that's not something that you want to be receiving when you're right. in the middle, especially when you're doing a legal, a legal offering. And so my client had to eventually hire, you know, a proper litigation counsel. And, and at the end of the day, it, it got worked out. They explained what was going on. Uh, yes, they had forgotten to file a particular form within the 15 days, but what they were doing was completely legal within the law. But it just goes to show the extent of some of these state regulators that they go out of their way to try and, uh, and not say prosecute, but really enforce their regulatory schemes because the federal laws have basically taken away most of their powers. And so the states aren't too happy about that. And so anything they can grasp onto, they, they go after. And this is a classic example of, honestly, somebody who didn't have much going on in their lives and decided to go undercover. I mean, as opposed to just pick up the phone and call, they thought they were onto something big and it turned out it was just not a big, but having that letter, when you receive one of those letters from the state regulators, that's not something you want to want to have. Absolutely not. Well, and especially when you've taken the time to follow the letter of the law. Now, I think one of the lessons here is that when you are on the cutting edge of anything new, you have another degree of caution, right? This law is not that old, and very few folks have yet taken advantage of this methodology. We know a lot of people that are holding seminars and doing informational webinars and reaching out to mailing lists or affiliated marketing arrangements or even television ads to tell people about the great investments. But I'm not sure that at the state level, everyone's on the same page yet. Right. And so one of the things, almost my takeaway from it, and I've started now doing it in my practice, is even though it's not required, I am starting to file these Form Ds prior to any sale when it involves advertising and solicitation. Okay. So you, you are allowed to do that. It's not required until 15 days. But that way, it's a lot easier form to file. And if you get into one of these situations where somebody complains ahead of time, they can easily go on the website, make sure something's been filed, and it would probably avoid some of these issues with these regulators that have nothing else better to do in their lives. Well, that's a good point. There's an ounce of prevention, right? You could be following the letter of the law, file on the 14th day, but who knows what's happened in the meantime, and there's no reason, is there any reason not to file it early? No, no, not at all. There's no reason you put basically a bunch of zeros because you haven't sold anything, you don't, you know, you don't have any investors yet. I mean, it's, it's almost an easier thing. But, you know, you're also busy, you know, raising the capital and getting all your documents ready. And, and, and usually the, the, the first sale doesn't happen for a couple of weeks, or sometimes a month later. So I'm guessing most of your clients at these early stages in this era are still under that pioneer part, right? They're figuring it out as the world's figuring it out. It's just like many, many years ago when we started talking about using IRAs to invest in real estate, no one really knew that. I mean, very few people knew that that was even a possibility. And I remember arguing with people who said, oh, no, no, you can't use your retirement fund. Today, that's one of the most common ways to invest. Same thing here. For a syndicator, this has been really good news that we now have another channel. We still have to be careful who we target, obviously. And the mass mail approach, even though they are using more of a, a rifle than a shotgun by making sure it's people that are affluent, that are accredited, all those things. You don't know these people. You don't have a personal relationship and you're likely to get people with their panties in a bunch figuring out, oh, what is this thing, you know, in my mailbox? And yet I'm going to guess that as time goes by, certainly at the federal level and even the state level, people are going to start to say, okay, that doesn't mean they wouldn't go through and find out what happened and maybe contact the person and check out the website. But obviously if the filing had been done, this might have been a quicker process. Right. And, and even, even, 
as we speak, I mean, new clarifications come out from both the state and the federal level, you know, clarifying some of these new rules because they are a little gray and people are just kind of finding, finding their way around. You know, as you know, coming up in January, we've got our next Secrets of Successful Syndication event, which you always uh, speak at, and that's awesome. And what's great about that event is that especially your material does change because of these kinds of things, because of changes in the law. So how is it that an investor should keep up with the changes? Well, first of all, attending these seminars, whether it's ours or anyone, that's the best way to do it. And, and not try to do this on their own is really what I always tell people. And that's, that it almost seems obvious. But because the laws are changing constantly, and, and there's a couple of new, new laws that are on the horizon that they're looking at implementing, um, you really need to be talking to somebody who's, who's up to speed with those laws. So education is always, as we always say, education for effective action. And this is a, a classic example. All right. Good stuff. Well, thanks always uh, for your time, Counselor, and for your Halloween Horror Story. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. When the housing market crashed in 2008, San Antonio led the way in appreciation and cash flow. Would you like to have a strong, reliable investment that performs in both up and down markets? Cash flow is the key to successful investing and we have tons of positive cash flow properties for our ATW investors. Come see why the Milken Institute rated San Antonio the number one economy in the United States and why San Antonio is the only major city in the country to have a AAA bond rating. ATW Investments can teach you strategies for building strong, secure wealth with investments starting at $5,000. ATW's patented, proven, and powerful system will do all the hard work for you. ATW is where the perfect market meets the perfect strategy and produces the perfect results in your portfolio. To get started, go to the resource section of the Real Estate Guys website or email us at contact at atw-investments.com. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of sharing the services of Paradigm Life with you loyal Real Estate Guys Radio listeners through our website, www.beerbank.com, and also on the annual Investor Summit at Sea. Subsequently, we have seen a variety of financial situations across the socioeconomic spectrum and how everyone, regardless of their situation, would improve their financial lives by following the system we specialize in. As a result of this experience, we have created an online e-learning system so anyone without obligation can learn about the infinite banking concept. This free e-learning program is found on our website, www.beerbank.com. So check it out today. The website again is www.beerbank.com. Hi, I'm G. Edward Griffin, author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, a second look at the Federal Reserve. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to this blood-curdling edition of The Real Estate Guys radio program, and thanks for tuning in. Hey, if you haven't quite figured out what to do with the rest of your life, come on out to Creating Your Future, the 2016 Goals Retreat. This amazing event is two and a half days of life-changing information that can propel you towards an amazing future. It happens the second weekend of January in beautiful San Diego. All the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Under events, it's Halloween Horror Stories on the Real Estate Guys radio program today. Our next story is called Out of Control. 
Here with the hunting details, let's say hello to real estate investor and developer, Beth Clifford. Hey, Robert. How are you? I'm great. It's always good to see you. It's great to see you, too. Well, you know, things often go well in real estate, but every now and then there is a Halloween horror story, and you've got a couple of them. I do. <laughs> so tell us about, uh, as, uh, and, and this is from the aspect of someone who develops and builds, and you probably have some unique things that happen to you that don't happen to buy and hold real estate uh, folks, but uh, tell us your Halloween horror story. Well, you know, I'm a real estate developer and I'm doing it, we're doing an infill project in DC. And the whole strategy is we've been, we developed it and titled the land and we decided not to take any pre-sales on our units because the product was very, very unique. It had never been built before in the district. So, so let's stop there for a minute because it's a strong market and yeah. you could have gone the pre-sale route, but you'd have to tell a story and maybe people wouldn't fully appreciate without seeing it finished. Exactly right. And, and we already could have sold. We had pre-sales. People were walking in the door and handing us checks for the product. And we felt that we could get a higher price once people saw the product in comparison with what was on the market. Well, and typically a developer is going to sell pre-sale units at some sort of a discount. You give a discount to the person buying because they're betting on the come a little bit. That's correct. But we looked at it and we said, wow, we could have pre-sold the entire project. And instead we decided, nope, we're not going to take the pre-sales. We're going to put the model up because we thought that we could get about a 20% bump in our retail price by putting the model in and giving them the context to see what the product was. Yep. So that's the whole strategy. So we delay putting any money in. We, so here's a developer who's not taking any checks, who's 100% self-financing and with debt on top of it. You've got a fuse going and you're paying a debt line to go do it. And the model is done. The wall finishings and wall coverings are done. The paint is done. We're one week away from putting the furniture into the building. Yeah. And I get a phone call at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm at a conference not in D.C. And guess who it is, Robert? I'm guessing it's not someone you want to hear from. No, it's the local fire department. Nice. Ah, uh, yeah. So it's the local fire department to let me know that our building has burned down. Whoops. Whoops. Well, actually, the building hasn't burned down. The infrastructure of the building has been burned down. There was an arsonist that went into the building at two in the morning, went into, this is a, so they're like, we know this is a planned arson. We know, we know how arsonists work. The big news was, is that there was a cop walking the beat who smelled smoke and actually walked to the building. There was no visible flames from the outside. Yeah. The building was burning from the inside. Wow. And so it had taken out the entire core of the building. And, and so if you went to the outside of the building, it looked perfect. You couldn't even tell that there was a fire in it. But the inside of the building was completely destroyed. Wow. That's kitchen cabinets, that's appliances. Everything's gone, 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 gone. A, a week later, the furniture would have been gone as well. Yes, exactly. I so that's the good worse. news. The yeah. good news is that they didn't burn the furniture. They only built the building. So, I mean, there's a lesson. So you probably could say, well, what's the lessons learned exactly. and all that? Exactly. So we can't exactly control that. So what's the lesson? Well, you know, you can never, it's the whole thing about is always building contingencies in your budgets. I mean, you know, our lessons are, so we, what do we go do? We always look at things and we go, well, how do you go make an opportunity out of something that seems really cataclysmic about it? And so what we ended up doing was number one, we did not have video surveillance on the product. Okay. And so we normally do have it. We had it on the site itself, but not on the interior of the product. Uh. And so we had two video cameras because we were doing site work. So those were doing all of the sites. So we knew if anyone was taking off with any of our, you know, graders or any of our, our civil equipment, but we didn't have anything on the interior. So check the box, 
All right, video, full-time monitoring on it, and fire alarms on everything in the future. Well, and stop there for a minute, because I know there might be a person going, well, yeah, well, the camera would have burned up in the fire. That's not the point. It's off-site video monitoring, so all the images at least would have been captured. That's correct. And most of these systems would also today would have temperature ratings on them. So all of the, all the systems that we had would have, would have flared out and would have let us know that we had a, had a temperature out of range. And so yeah. we would have known as well. So that's one of them. The second is you got to build contingency in your budget. I mean, you just, you, something's going to happen. And so that put us back to having to go rebuild the building, even though the outside was fine. Uh, we had to go back and forth, but we felt that it just was the right thing to go do, which was to level it back down to the foundation, Dardo. completely rebuild it. You were never going to get rid of the potential smoky. We just was like that. We don't want that to be the beginning of that project where you're trying to fix up something that that happened to. We had a great insurance carrier. So what, what's the lessons learned? Class A, grade A insurance company right. paid a hundred percent for us. They were right there with us. They took care of us. Um, bank stood behind us. They're like, great, don't worry about it. We're here to fund you. Uh, contingency in the budget understood. We weren't sitting there, uh, hand to mouth on a weekly basis trying to figure out how to go do it. So you got to build contingencies into every one of the budgets. Um, the th next thing that we did is we looked and said, well, how do we go take this and turn it into something positive? And we're in a very densely populated area. And we, we turned it into, well, believe it or not, we ended up turning in a little sarcasm, is that we had a barbecue <laughs> nice. on site. And, and it was for all the first responders for Fairfax County. And we had an enormous barbecue. We invited everybody in the local community, all the fire chiefs, all of the police people, all the ambulance people. We fundraised through that to go do a special event for them. And we ended up with about 300 people, an enormous thing. We invited all of our local people in the neighborhood. Wow. And we ended up putting a fire watch together and created a whole program of watching our properties with each other. And so it's kind of like, how do you make lemonade out of, out of, out of lemons? And it ended up being a really positive PR event for us, which is us, you know, giving back to the community, thanking the local responders, thanking everybody for, for doing it. And then, so anyways, up, we're up, the model's up, we're selling now, and it's all good news. Well, it's interesting because the perspective most folks have, you get that phone call, that's the last thing you want to hear. But in hindsight, none of those great things would have happened if it hadn't been for the fire. It isn't. And what's interesting, too, is D.C. is a very political place. And when we were building our project, there were as many people fighting us as were with us. And now there's more people with us, and we're actually building another bigger project in that area. And they look at us as being a really good citizen. And they're like, wow, they they did something. They they went and put together a watch for us. They ended up putting some surveillance things together for us. And they helped be a kind of a, a focal point for change within the neighborhood that bonded us all together. Awesome. Well, great stuff. And as always, thanks for your contribution to the show. You bet. So there you have it. Another spooktacular year in real estate and all kinds of ugly things that happily happen to someone else and not you. But we can always get the lesson, whether it's our own lesson or somebody else's lesson. Well, that's why we do this show. It's why you should be out there networking with other investors and hopefully people that are humble enough to tell you about their failings, their things that go sideways. A lot of times we don't want to share those things, but it's actually quite therapeutic, right? Because when you when you share it with somebody else and you kind of put it in perspective, not only does it help them, but it also helps you. Well, absolutely. And, and several of the folks today, I will tell you, when we first asked, hey, you know, do you have a Halloween horror story? They were, well, nah, yeah, kind of. I'm not sure. 
sure I want to, right? That's not what they want to be known for is their problem. But I tell you what, there's such power in sharing it. And when you hear enough other people that have gone through the muck and realize, you know, this stuff happens to everybody, it's how you react to it that matters. Well, it shows a lot about your character. It shows a lot about your resolve and resiliency, shows uh, your ability to learn. Uh, I think it shows a lot about being humble and teachable. It also talks to experience. You know, we spend a lot of time obviously coaching people who are in the syndication business. And a lot of times people are like, hey, I don't want to talk about my problems. I don't want to talk about the mistakes I've made. I think it diminishes me and my brand. And we argue the opposite. We say, no, you know, when you tell real life stories about things that went wrong and how you overcame them, it makes people feel like, okay, I've got a seasoned uh, investor, a leader, a safari guide, if you will, who's going to shepherd me through this because he knows where the land mines are. He's been there, done that. I'd much rather have the guy leading me through the minefield that's got a lot of scars because he's probably learned something than the guy that's fresh and pressed and just thinks that, hey, I'm just going to sail through this thing no problem, you know, because most of the time those guys are going to step squarely on the mine because they don't even have any sense of caution. They don't even understand what could go wrong, much less where the mines are buried. So I'm a big fan of sharing out of your your breadth of experience, not just the good times, but also out of the bad times. So big thanks to all our investors who shared their Halloween horror stories today. If you've got a Halloween horror story, it's not too early to start thinking about that for next year. We'd love to hear all about it. You can just go to our Ask the Guys forum on our website at realestateguysradio.com and uh, let us know your Halloween horror story and most importantly, the lesson you got from it. Hey, it's right around the corner, our big launch for the 14th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. We are super excited. Big, big, big announcement in terms of the faculty that are coming, and all that's going to take place really shortly here. October 29th is the day, so depending on when you're listening, that either is just ahead or just behind you. And go to the website at realestateguysradio.com. Click on Summit. The Investor Summit is not to be missed. No, you don't want to miss it. I mean, talk about compressing timeframes. This is an environment where you get around other investors, and they're talking to you out of their breadth of experience. You can learn more in eight days at the Investor Summit at Sea than in probably four or five years of attending conferences and networking groups in terms of the quality of conversations and the willingness of people to open up and share candidly about the things they've learned. It's a, just a super unique environment. And of course, you're highly stimulated because we have these big, big brains talking not just about real estate. You know, sometimes a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just only about real estate. Well, real estate is affected by interest rates. Interest rates are affected by the bond market. You, we've got things going on. We're going to be talking about the future of banking in money. You know, look at what's going on with the rise of Bitcoin and privacy transactions, you know, the ability to conduct business without going through the banking system. We had Patrick Donahoe uh, you know, a couple months back talking about the, using insurance policies as a way to create more privacy in your banking. Patrick will be a faculty member. So, you know, we're going to be talking about these concepts that you just, you can't get anywhere else. And you get to hear how other really smart people are processing and the questions they ask. And you can compress time frames so far, so fast, and learn so much in such a short period of time. I can't imagine a better investment of both time and money. Well, here's the cool thing. You're going to hear from all kinds of amazing faculty, our speakers. There's going to be sessions where you're going to be learning. But then the magic is when you now sit down with other investors over lunch, over dinner, over cocktails, and talk about those things. The thing you have in common with everyone else there is that they're real estate investors, and they've just heard the information you've heard. So it's phenomenal what happens. You, you, you go to a seminar and you take notes, you go, that was really interesting. How do you implement that? Where do you bounce those ideas? Where do you debate back and forth? Well, you do that right on the summit and you leave not only with a wealth of information, but it's in context 
and you make new friends. Yeah, you've got relationships. You know, Napoleon Hill in his classic book, Think and Grow Rich, talked about the idea of how important it is to be part of a mastermind. Mastermind is a group of people that are pursuing common interests. They're like-minded. They're studying the information intently. And they get together and they share. They brainstorm. They bounce ideas, you know, and they have this relationship where it's okay to have a dumb idea. It's okay to share a vulnerability. It's okay to ask a stupid question. Uh, that's the kind of environment that we create. We have a ton of fun. It's a great environment to not only come yourself but to bring your spouse or potential investment partner, uh, your children, especially if they're teenagers or older, but even if they're younger, because even though they may not participate in the classes, they begin to build relationships with other people. And these kids, if you come year in and year out, like a lot of people do, uh, you grow up together and then you have this community that you're a part of. We've got friends all over the world. I mean, I feel like I could land in New Zealand or I could land in China or I could land in England or France. Canada, South America, and I've got people that would bring me in and put me up and we could have a nice dinner together and drink some wine and talk investing and, and all those relationships were forged through the summit at sea. And that's it. I tell you, if things get tough in this world and we're trying to figure out where the pockets of opportunity are and how to respond and react, the ability to call all these people up and get on a conference call and talk about it and just get a 360 super fast. I don't know where else you can go to do that. And we have some returning faculty members this year because they always come back. And then we've got some brand new folks super, super excited about the faculty. It's not all been revealed yet, but it's about to be. So just make sure you get to the website of realestateguysradio.com and uh, come on the Investor Summit. It's going to be great. And by the way, virtually everybody you heard today on this program will be at the Investor Summit. So pick their brains some more about their real estate investing. So happy Halloween. Until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers. Low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct. Asset protection strategies for real estate investors. From attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.